to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. When you get it, say amen. If you need a little bit more time, say hold up. All right, I'll wait. Malachi, Malachi 3. If you don't have it too, you can look on the screen. Okay, here it is. I am the Lord. Oh, by the way, let me just say this too. If you go back to this series, you know two things. One, this is the second time I have talked, preached about money. Two, we talked about a number of ways in which you can be generous. Y'all remember that? Praise God. Okay, so it's not just about money, but today I'm going to focus in on the tithe. So let's look at this, Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord, and I do not change. This is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Praise God. I'm glad he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we ought to be glad for that because if he did change, we would be done. You're here because he's God and he's the same. There's no shadow. Well, okay, praise God. So ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. In other words, you've failed to acknowledge my ordinances, my principles. You've rejected them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? This is stunning to me. Because these people are having a conversation with God. God, who is truth, is telling the truth, says you've walked away from me. And they have the unmitigated gall and delusion to be like, well, when did we walk away? <laughs> I've talked to people. Oh, God. Pride will get you in so much trouble. They were so absorbed with themselves. They were so delusional. They did not even know they were away from God. Now, this is what he tells them. He says, so they're like, when did we do this? <laughs> Watch this. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. You know, we don't live in an agricultural society today. We live in a capitalist one. So your money will be abundant. 
for I will guard them from insects and disease. He'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. Praise God. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I want to teach or preach, probably more teaching or preaching today. Don't sleep on tithing. Don't sleep on tithing. Week four of a generous life. Help me pray and I'm going to let you be seated. Father, anoint me to teach and preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. Anoint our, open our understanding. Anoint the hearer. Have your way. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's a sensitive uh, topic in church because it's got to do with money. And I understand that. That can be awkward and difficult. Uh, but especially those that are outside of the church, they tend to criticize the church when we speak on this subject. But let me just tell you emphatically without question, God does not need your money. Praise God. God does not need your money. But also let me declare, God is our source. God is our source. And I want you to follow with me and track with me here in Scripture if you love Jesus, if we believe the word, he said, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things I tell you to do? Uh, once we see certain things in scripture, I'm going to show you that how you can lock in uh, to what God has for you. When I talk about, I'm, an, I'm a 90s kid, and so when I talk about don't sleep on tithing, it's like don't uh, disregard or underappreciate or don't have value for tithing. Don't sleep on it in that sense. But we trust God and we have seen God move in our lives financially and our family. And we give God praise for that. I'm telling you, you all know you've heard the story, so I won't unpack it, but we've had God give us a car. I had somebody, uh, I told the Lord what I needed. And you know what? Someone called us and said, there's a cashier's check. Go pay cash for the car. We didn't ask for it. They said, the Lord told me you want a car. Here it is. And we were like, what do you mean? They even sent us a picture of the car that we asked God for. So God knows. And when I tell you he is our source, he's our source. We weren't praying to get approved for financing. We said, God, this is what we need. He gave us what we need. Nothing wrong with saying, God, you know what? I don't know if my credit is right, which by the way, your credit it should be good by the grace of God because you pay your bills on time, praise the Lord. But uh, nonetheless, what I want you to understand is God is our source, and we have seen God provide. I remember when we were here, we had just gotten here, and I said, Lord, not just, but it probably been a year into the process. I said, man, I would really appreciate uh, a conference. And sure enough, I said, Lord, you need to lay it on somebody's heart where we can be preached to and we can be encouraged. And wouldn't you know, lo and behold, like within a couple of days later, I go to the mailbox and somebody has said, hey, we want to pay for you and your family to come to attend this conference. I'm telling you, God is your source. Big things, little things, he wants to be involved in the intimate details of your life. And if we do things his way, we will get his results. Can somebody say amen? So, in Malachi, in these four short chapters, what you'll find is he says, or he shares six messages with the children of Israel. And those messages that, he are, that he's articulating are as follows. The first has to do with God's love for Israel. The second has to do with addressing the corrupt priests that were there during this time of Israel. The third is a call to faithfulness. This is what we read in that excerpt. Saying, I want you to be faithful 
to me. The fourth has to do with the coming judgment of God. The fifth is a message about repentance. And the sixth is, again, this prophetic word coming about a judgment. And the passage I just read to you uh, in uh, Malachi 3, 6 through 12, is actually a message about repentance. And so when you think about what we've just read, it's really God calling his children to change their mind. It's really all repentance is. Repentance is to change the way you've been thinking or change the way you've been acting and come back into agreement about what I say about this situation. That's what, is, that's what repentance is. He said, hey, you're ignoring my ordinances. You're running away from the principles and the things that I've taught you. Turn away from the things of the world. Get in alignment with what I say about a thing. And I'm going to pour out the windows of I'm going to open up and pour out the windows of heaven upon you. And so as they're called to repentance, they're having this back and forth dialogue. Verse 7, you see it. Verse 7, he says, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? So, an ordinance simply means a principle of ordinary behavior. In other words, it's ordinary for the people of God to thank God for their harvest. It's ordinary for the people of God to thank God for their income. It's ordinary for the people of God to recognize even in times of recession or global pandemic because we understand that God can turn this thing around and God is our source. As a matter of fact, Isaac sowed in a time of famine and was blessed and everybody else around him was not because God is his source. God is our source. It's an ordinary principle that will give you extraordinary results. God said that they had left this rudimentary teaching behind. And he said, it's simple. If you tithe, you're blessed. If you don't, you're under a curse. Not that he would curse you. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But blessed, cursed. He, he doesn't say, I'm going to curse you. He says that you are already under a curse. You are cursed with a curse. He doesn't want us to be cursed. You are cursed with a curse. Here's how you get from up underneath the curse. Come into alignment with what I say about a thing. In this case, tithing and watch. You're going to come from up underneath the curse, and all of a sudden, I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour out, pour out provision and miracles, signs and wonders, and you will not have room enough to receive. Praise God. In other words, what we're saying is, it requires cooperation. It requires, and so cooperation, our cooperation with God is to return to him the 10%. First 10%. Let me put emphasis on that. If you don't know what the word tithe means, it means 10%. Therefore, if uh, our kids, if they had an allowance, you know, a dollar, uh, when a young, a, a tithe of a dollar would be 10 cents. If I earn or receive a gift of $10, that means I would return $1 to God. If I earn or receive a gift of $100, that means I would return $10, y'all are smart, to God. 
If I earn or receive a gift of $1,000, that, that means I would return $100 to God. If I earn or receive a gift of $10,000, that means that I return $1,000 to God. Let's see how good y'all are now. If I earn or receive a gift of $100,000, that means I return Look at y'all with knowing y'all zeros. If I earn or receive a gift of $1 million, that means... <laughs> Praise God. We got some really smart, bright people here. And I know what some people think, especially when we talk about tithing. Some people are like, that's my money. This is my money. I made it. It belongs to me. I, you know, that's what, it is my money. I, I know, I, I've been there, done that. Hopefully none of y'all here, none of y'all here, but okay, I hear you. Let me give you some scripture to contextualize how you see your money. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. <laughs> the world and all its people belong to him. That makes it pretty clear that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Therefore, no matter what you got or how you got it, it came from the earth that God made and put everything in it. So here's something we need to understand as believers and followers of Jesus Christ because it's not enough to just be a believer. It's just, even the Bible says that even the devils believe that there is one God and do tremble. So it's not enough to believe. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand it all belongs to God. Come on, you need to say that. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. When you get that right standing in perspective that we own nothing and it all belongs to him and that we are just a conduit and a steward of what God has entrusted to us, you will be able to get in kingdom alignment a, a whole lot easier. You will demonstrate God can trust you. And can I tell you, you will unkink the hose from heaven so that the flow can come your way. So the first thing I want you to understand about tithing, and I, I know, I know, I, I'm, I'm, I've had these, I have one friend in particular I, 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 <laughs> that I've had this debate with, but I'm going to go there in a minute. But the first thing I want you to understand is tithing is really uh, about trust. Tithing is a tenth. Everything you get paid or gifted, or you're going to believe that this is it. You know, every time you get paid, if you believe God's word works, that means that 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% that's under a curse. And the reason God chose a percentage, I believe, is because it's the same for everyone. And what God is doing is testing our hearts. However, at the same time, God is saying, test me. It's a money-back guarantee. And the curse is a consequence 
Okay, so here's what some people say. Um, uh, they be like, well, tithing is an Old Testament thing. I'm like, okay, okay, you want to be theologian? I see you. Let's talk about it. Tithing is biblical. So let's look at Genesis 14, 17. Is it okay if I just teach today? Praise God. Look at Genesis 14, uh, 17. After Abram returned from his victory over, uh, oh my word, say amen. <laughs> I actually had this this morning and it lost. I had a wedding in between. Let's try him. And all his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. This is, this is a theophany here. This is amazing, but we'll unpack that a little later. Melchizedek blessed Abram with the bless, this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So what I want you to know is when people talk about, oh, tithing is an Old Testament thing, or they'll say it's in the law. What I just read to you predates the law. This happened 450 to 600 years before the law of Moses came into play. <sighs> Jesus, okay. Now, remember we talked about Cain and Abel too because it's clear from Genesis 4 that the first family, first family being Cain, Abel, Adam, Eve, they knew they had the responsibility to give back the, a portion of what God had given them. They were even held responsible for the kind of offering they gave and when they gave it. Remember, we talked about that. We're one of two types of people. You're either Cain or you are Abel. And so then we look at Genesis 28, 22. Look at this, Jacob. Uh, he says, and, uh, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is about 400 years before the law. Now, look at Leviticus 27 and 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Did you catch that? The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. And so it's just like his word is holy. The matrimony, I married a couple this afternoon. Shout out to Joel and Stella. Super excited for them uh, and what's happening. Uh, I regret, I'm, it's sad for us, but they're moving to New Brunswick. But we had a beautiful wedding today. You know, their matrimony is holy unto the Lord, okay? And so the tithe is holy unto the Lord. His word is holy. The tithe belongs to God as it has been separated, set apart unto him. It's been consecrated unto him. Look at Deuteronomy 26 and 1. And verse 2, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, <laughs> and put it in a basket and go to the place where your Lord God chooses to make his name abide. God has given us all of this to begin with. Did you catch that? And he's only asking for a portion. Say, give me a portion back. 
Look at Deuteronomy 26, 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe. I told y'all it was holy. From my house and also have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. I just want to pause here for a moment and let you know that Extraordinary Church is so committed to tithing and its principle that everything that comes in that is undesignated, 10% of that is set aside and is sent back out into another man's field. Praise God. So, that right there tells us it predated the law. It's there in the law. And people were like, but it's not a New Testament thing. Well, let's talk about it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. It's right there in the New Testament. And here's what they'll say. Well, that's Matthew. Matthew's a Jew. But I'm a Gentile. Okay. Okay, let's look at Luke, who is not a Jew. Luke eleven forty two. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe. Yes. <laughs> you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect. So in other words, tithing is so far like down here. For somebody who's super spiritual and a giant in God, tithing is so far down here, so basic, so rudimentary. Oh, God, help us today. So... The more important things, mercy, justice. How can we, as the people of God, administer grace and mercy and the love of God when we've not gotten? <laughs> Help us, Jesus. You give tithes of everything, he says. Not just the first fruits, but the spices. However, you are neglecting justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus said, this you ought to do. I'm going to show you one more, because here's what they say. Well, Matthew was a Jew, and okay, you got me. Luke is a Gentile. But technically, the Gospels of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
are technically the Old Testament because Jesus is still alive. Okay. And you're right. A testament can't be enacted until the testator dies. But he died. And he rose again. So now what do you do with that? <laughs> Here's, oh my God. It's like this. My insurance policy, uh, my life insurance policy, just looking at Sarah just to make sure. <laughs> my little $2,000 insurance policy. So she'll, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> no, no, we, we got an insurance policy. The only way that's going to be paid is upon my death. So I'm dead and gone. They give me my little money. I just so happen to get back up. They're not going to get that money back. As a matter of fact, what just happened is what was natural or temporal just became eternal. And, oh. <laughs> Our inheritance is there. So anyway, they were like, okay, that's still not enough. So I'm telling you, I got a friend that I love dearly. <laughs> so I said, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7. And if somebody don't get up and run and shout about this, I ain't mad. I'm going to run right now and by faith in advance. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Look at Hebrews 7, verse 1. Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in a battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice. And king of Salem means king of peace. There's no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. <laughs> no beginning or end to his life. <laughs> Woo! Watch this. Praise God. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi, watch this, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek was not a descendant of Levi. Col whew, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who already had received the promises of God. <sighs> and without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. <laughs> the priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. 
For although Levi wasn't born yet, this is amazing, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body. When Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. <laughs> Praise God. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. When Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, that even the Levites that would come out of Abraham gave a tithe. So if you want to know how important the tithe is, it predates law. Abraham, who was the father of our faith, recognized in the embodiment of Melchizedek so that when I gave a tithe to him, I was literally giving a tithe to God. And then it says that Melchizedek has no record of even dying, which means he still has the tithe. So when you give a tithe, it doesn't go away. God keeps it. Whew. So what you need to understand is you're not giving your tithe for mere mortal men to receive. However, we receive it. It is proof that he lives on when he protects and blesses our finances if we will adhere to the ordinary principles in Scripture. And here's what he said. Still doesn't count. Because the writer's talking about what Abraham did in the Old Testament. And you know what? You can't win with somebody who doesn't have a heart to give. I remember we've been arguing like, oh, we, you know, grain, you know, and corn. Yeah, if we lived in an agricultural society, we'd be starving, me and my wife, praise God. <laughs> because we kill everything, praise God. <laughs> we kill everything. I'd really be praying, you know I'd be tired, and I'd be like, Lord, because I need this stuff to be blessed, praise God. But we don't live in an agricultural society. But if we did, man, those potatoes, I'd bring a tithe of my potatoes to the Lord. I'd bring a tithe of my corn to the Lord. We live in a capitalistic society. And so we earn that dollar-dollar bill, y'all, in the States. That's what we call a dollar-dollar. So, you know what? We pay our tithe on the monies that we receive or from our, that we earn or that are gifted. And so here's, here's what people will say. Well, I just give from my heart. That nice, warm, tender, fuzzy, sweet little place called your heart. You just give from your heart. Your heart is so, your heart is so full of love and tenderness, kindness, where the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked. Above who all can know it. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't do it from your heart. So, you know what? People say, well, I don't give because, you know, you know, those preachers, don't, don't, what, I don't know what the shows are called. I don't even watch that foolishness. Celebrity preachers, I don't know what it's, please don't watch that dumb stuff. Preachers of L.A., that would have, please don't watch that stuff. <laughs> I know people like, you know, the pastor going to drive a Lexus. I don't even know what a nice luxury car is. I don't even know if a Lexus is considered a luxury car. But what's, is it okay? All right. You know, they driving Teslas and, you know, I'm not going to give because they're going to be, the pastor going to get a Rolex and, you know, he going to go out and get some 
really nice tennis shoes. You know, these are Steve Madden's. I think they cost $49.99. Oh, I drive a 2014 Honda Accord. But if that's, if that's your attitude about this community, I love you, but don't give. Don't give. If, if, if you think, well, they're just running out, he's doing this, he's one, that's not the case, but two, don't give. Because he wants you to do it cheerfully. I have never given my tithe. I want you to hear me. Or return the tithe. I have never done it unto man. It's always been unto God. And I don't even give it another thought. I've had people try to come into my life and be like, well, don't you know he doing this, he doing that, or she doing that? I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to be blessed. I've done my part. I'm going to walk in his blessings. I'm good. And God keeps me. God keeps me. So, this is important that we understand. Because if somebody doesn't have a heart to give, they won't. This is why Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Now, let me just give you, I'm, I'm hurrying here. Uh, tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Look at 2 Chronicles 31 and 4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwell in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Hezekiah is reading the scriptures. He discovers tithing. The whole nation is under a curse because they're not tithing. He puts out on a command that everybody must tithe because he wants to get from up underneath the curse. We declare God will give us property, buildings, land, everything that we need, but we got to come up from up underneath the curse first and say, I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. Praise God. So, you know what? I'm getting ready to close. Y'all like, ooh, you should teach more often. Because <laughs> y'all know if I was preaching, I'd just be getting started. Praise God. Pastor Mateo's like, land the plane, sir. Land the plane. No, he's not like that. He's not like that. But Mia and uh, the band, why don't you come? I have like maybe five, seven minutes left, maybe if that. But bringing the food into the, bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Uh, I've used this example before, but hopefully you like the food you are getting at Extraordinary Church. Praise God. Someone is paying for it. Someone is paying for the priest to devote themselves to the word of the Lord. Look at 2 Chronicles 31, 5 through 10. I'm going to just hurry up and land this plane here, but look at it. I read verse 4, but I want you to see 5 through 10. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel bought, uh, brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly with tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. 
In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left. For the why, why have we had enough to eat and plenty left? For the Lord has blessed his people and what is left is this great abundance. Woo. Do you want to know how we're going to plant 36 churches? Because we are going to come from up under the curse. Praise God. Hezekiah puts out the command. It takes him four months to do this. The third month and the seventh month revolve around harvest. Hezekiah sees the heaps and is concerned about the people. If they're giving is too much, if they're taking care of. And the priest is like, look at what God has done with the tithe. Do what God says. In other words, what just happened is God broke the recession and began to bless them. I'm telling you, if you will begin to get in alignment with what God says about a tenth of your income and gifts and return it to him, you will be blessed. Blessed. There's only two responses. There's only two responses. You know what? The tither will say something along the lines, man, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm blessed coming in and going out. Yeah, go ahead. She's singing, so yeah. Others will say, well, I can't afford to tithe. And I'm going to tell you in love, you can't afford not to tithe. Because your 100% is cursed. Under a curse. Under a curse. Here's what I want you to do. We'll all go through difficulties. We all need prayer and Prayer is not only for someone who is in need of a miracle. Perhaps you don't need prayer in this area. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your health. But I'd like us all to stand. I don't want you to sleep on tithing. Praise God. <laughs> you know what? You know why we tithe and we make this declaration? Hopefully you'll understand. We're saying we trust God. We trust God. I want to thank everybody for watching online today. Uh, God bless you. Come back and join us in person. Uh, next Sunday, you don't want to miss it. Pastor Sean Stickler is going to be preaching. It's going to be an amazing time. And it's going to be Ice Cream Sunday Sunday. Come and be with us. God bless you. Listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. 
If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.